Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the program. It is the hump day edition of the Michael Duke Show Wednesday. Uh, the blessing of the three-day weekend provides a four-day work week, and here we are already to the middle of the week, ready to go, and uh, we are happy that you are able to join us as well. So good morning, and uh, thank you for coming on board and joining us today. Um, we have got, uh, well, we got a lot of stories to talk about here in hour one. Uh, and we're going to dive into that. We're hoping in hour two to be joined by State Senator Mike Shower. Normally, Wednesdays are his day to come on board and just kind of chit chat with us about whatever we feel like talking about. Um, he may or may not be able to join us this morning based on his uh, work schedule. He may be he may be airborne. So we're hoping uh, as of two o'clock yesterday afternoon. We're hoping, fingers crossed, that he'll be able to join us this morning and uh, talk about stuff. So that's the uh, – but <clears throat> his final comment to me was, if you don't hear from me, it's because I'm in the air. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, hear from State Senator Mike Schauer in hour two today. Otherwise, it will be just two full hours of uh, open line, open forum – Discussions, commentary, and uh, chit-chat with all of you uh, here on the program. So that's uh, that's what we got going on. Um, it is um, it's just another <clears throat> excuse me wet and uh, and cool day today. A little bit warmer than it was yesterday. Um, I got about uh, I got about five degrees. Yesterday was a little clear, and so it got a little cooler. This morning, it is a little rainy, a little wet, 88, little wet, 88% humidity is what I'm getting right now. 88%. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's uh, just one one of those deals. Uh, So anyway, we got a whole bunch of topics and stories that we're going to talk about throughout the state and kind of uh, discuss. And uh, I will have some thoughts and commentary on that. Uh, let's, uh, do one thing first. First things first, we'll open up the phone lines and throw them open to you today for any discussion, any talking point, whatever you want to chat about. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And we will, uh, we'll start the conversation there. How about that? 907-433-3150. If you would like to participate and be part of the program. Um, I'd love to hear what you have to say this morning. 
Barbara Haney said they had a it had a great turnout at the ITA event last night in Fairbanks. That was the Interior Taxpayers Association Forum. Uh, feel free to call us up, Barbara, if you want, and talk about that and tell us how that's going. Uh, also, we are going to be covering here in the next couple weeks, um, I'm throwing open the phone lines to uh, any candidate who is uh, running for municipal office in uh, the interior, or down at the peninsula, wherever you guys are. If you would like to, <clears throat> in the Matsu, if any of you would like to uh, chat about some of the issues in your areas uh, while you're here, we'll go ahead and... Uh, open the phone lines up for that as well. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see what we can do to see what we can do to expose the voters to your thoughts and and everything else. So love to love to participate in that as well. Tomorrow on the program, State Senator Shelley Hughes is going to be joining us uh, to talk about state stuff. We haven't talked to her in quite a while. And hopefully on Friday, I'm working on uh, Working on Jacob Selim from Reason Magazine, and we will also have uh, Chris Chang, Top Shot champion Chris Chang, on Friday. So kind of got the rest of the week laid out, but uh, you know how it is. You know how it is. Coming back from uh, coming back from uh, the holiday weekend and everything, always people are always busy. So anyway, it's a good discussion today, and hopefully you will participate again at nine oh seven. 433-3150-907-433-3150. So, <clears throat> got lots of, lots of headlines, lots of various headlines from popping up uh, from around the state uh, and talking about different things. Some of these include kind of lessons learned, like things you would have... Uh, well, you know, things you probably, in hindsight, should have known better. Um, I guess we'll start there this morning just because I found this to be an interesting story. And um, and I, I think we could all learn a lesson, maybe not useful this year as we're running out of daylight before winter hits, but maybe. I mean, there still may be some camping out there. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about this from KTUU, uh, Alaska's news source. Uh, over the Labor Day weekend, high floodwaters left at least 20 camping parties <clears throat> stranded at a Willow campground. Peter DeVaris from Anchorage and his group of friends arrived at Susitna Landing Campground on Friday night. The group had reserved a campsite in Loop A, which is the portion of the Alaska Department of Fish and Game Managed Campground nearest to the confluence of the Kashwitna and the Susitna Rivers. According to DeVaris, he had reached out to ADF&G about the conditions of the river prior uh, to going out there since he said he saw flood warnings in the area. He said there's no monitored phone number out there at the campground, so they kept responding via email and it was just, Loop A is open, Loop A is open. On Wednesday, August 30th, via email, the campground notified Davis, or excuse me, DeVaris that the uh, Campground Lupe is still open and the roof river is still high. If you would like, we could move you to Loop B, which is drier. So a different area of the campground that was a bit drier. The camping party opted to stick with their original reservation in Loop A. DeVaris said when we arrived, there was quite a bit of water. Uh, he said we were able to get into the campground. It didn't seem unsafe at the time. We all parked our trailers and got set up, 
And that's when I started paying attention to the river. It looked like it was coming up and coming up quickly. Overnight, the water broke the bank and the flood and flooded the campground. Devaris said the water came within three to four feet of the trailers. He said, when I woke up, uh, when I woke up, I was shocked. I was like, holy cow, the water's just several feet away. All the campsites that were on the other side of the road were all gone and underwater. You couldn't even see them. Devaris said all of the campers on Lupe were then trapped. He said, no way to get out unless you walked or swam. We weren't going to take our vehicles through there. They would have stalled and gotten stuck for sure. There were several of us in RVs. I was towing a travel trailer. There would have been no way to get the equipment out. Uh, he'd spent a lot of time in the wilderness in the past and now asks himself why he didn't leave when he first got to the river. He said, and to this day, I kind of sit down and wonder why we just didn't leave when we showed up. I think again, you know, not being in a position to make that decision. He said they were not able to leave the campground until 6 or 7 p.m. Saturday after the water levels started to lower. The roadway to the campground of the East Susitna Landing Road remained submerged in two feet of water on Saturday night based on records from the Matsu Borough. Um, so, I mean, I guess, again, lessons learned from all this. Um, I've, you know, I've spent some time in the wilderness. Uh, I've, I've been, you know, when I was younger, I was quite the camper and, and I tried, you know, outdoorsman and all that kind of stuff. And even I know, first of all, you, you, you call the fishing game because you know that, and you've heard that there are flood warnings in the area. And then when you get there, the, you notice the water is high and, um, you noticed after you got set up, you, you started paying attention to the river after you got set up. And you said it looked like the river was coming up and coming up quickly. Now, anybody who's ever, you know, kind of been outdoors and, and been around flooding and stuff like that, you understand that the flood levels can change in a matter of just a couple of hours. And, uh, and so I guess, you know, his hindsight is correct. I guess his hindsight saying, why did he, when he looks back and says, why did I stay? Why did we, why? I think that, I think that's a valid question. I think that is a valid question. If there's flood warnings in effect and uh, F&G offers to, uh, you know, offers to put you up in a drier campsite a little further away, I think that would have been an option. But two, once again, this is the wording that got, that, that got me. He said, you know, we got set up and that's when I noticed See, we all parked our trailers and got set up, and that's when I started paying attention to the river. It looked like it was coming up and coming up quickly. I mean, at that point, <clears throat> you, you, I would have been like, uh, folks, um, I think we should, uh, I think we should move out of here. I just, you know, water is uh, fickle. Water, the ocean and rivers, that stuff is unforgiving. And, uh, I mean, they got pictures of, uh, you know, a whole roadway that's basically underwater. It looks like about two, two and a half feet underwater. And you're right. You're not going to be driving a, you know, a four ton RV up this, you know, up this road or whatever it, um, I guess. So just to me, I took this as a lesson learned. I I'm, I'm hoping that we don't have to, you know, the, the, the best lessons are ones you learn from other people. So hopefully Pete and company, have given us a valuable lesson here. If there is flood warnings and you get to the site, 
first thing I would have done is, again, a site survey, maybe 10 minutes of watching the river to see if it was coming up. And if it was coming up, I think <clears throat> I probably would have uh, gone back and, uh, and you know, maybe gone to the alternate spot or whatever. Uh, DeVaris did say he tried reaching out to the camp uh, on the phone number that's listed for the camp, but he has not heard anything back. He said he has yet to be reached by camp officials since the incident occurred. This is last Friday. <laughs> Still hasn't heard from anybody. Um, this is, you know, this is the problem with these kind of unintended, unintended, unattended campgrounds is, uh, you're, you're kind of on your own. So you got to kind of make the best decisions as you could, uh, um, as you can fish and game, uh, wrote in an email that we did keep, we did keep the campground open as the river was not predicted to reach flood state over the weekend. The amount of flooding was unexpected. And he said, we had staff and a campground host out there to assist campers, which seems like maybe not. I don't know. Counterintuitive. Maybe it was. Anyway, I guess the good news is that ADF&G has since provided campers refunds for camping fees for those who have requested them. It was a weekend adventure that these folks will not soon forget, I guess. But yeah, anytime I look at a river, uh, especially if there's a flood watch in effect and it's still raining and everything else, I have a healthy respect for that kind of stuff because I have seen what a river can do. I can see what I've seen what a flooding river can do. And it is not well. I mean, I guess everybody has. You saw what happened. Now, that was a glacial outburst at the Mendenhall down in Juneau. But you saw what happened there. That carved that whole river out and that whole bank and sucked that house in. That was like over a period of like five hours. You imagine you lay down, go to sleep, wake up five, six hours later, and your RV is bobbing down the river. That's definitely not something that you want to do. So lessons learned. I'm glad nobody was hurt. I'm glad everybody's okay. Uh, but I agree with Pete uh, as he looks back in hindsight and was thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I... You know, to this day, I kind of sit down and wonder why we just didn't leave when we showed up. You know, I think that's a valid question, Pete. I think it is. And uh, I'm glad everybody made it out. But let this be a lesson to all of us as we look at Alaska and we're out there in the wilderness and we're doing our thing. Remember, Alaska will try to kill you. That's just kind of it's nothing personal. It's just it's in the nature mother. It's in the name Mother Nature. It's in her nature to try and kill you <laughs> i mean oof i'll be honest with you there's very few things that really scare me uh in that kind of stuff ocean storms and floods two things that definitely are at the top of my spooky list because you just can't you can't control it you can't control it all right uh we got more coming up we're going to continue i want to talk a bit about schools uh there's a new education bill out at the national level we'll talk about and some other stuff as well. And the phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Good morning to you. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
Okay, good morning. Um, let me go up here to see what you guys have been talking about. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Anthony said, my steaming cup of freedom has hairs in it. Don't worry, they're probably yours. I mean, the average human being consumes a bushel of dirt in their lifetime. You might as well get a head start on all that debris and detritus. You know what I mean? Um, uh, we're going to talk about that graphite mine. We, uh, Rick just talked about a graphite mine north of Nome. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, can we have a what if Wednesday, says Jeannie. Sure, Jeannie, you want to call in and give me an give me a question, give me a comment? This is a participatory sport. Pick up the phone and let's dial and tell me what you're thinking. What do you want to what do you want to think about on this what if Wednesday? Um Um all right. <clears throat> Uh, there's a meeting tonight of borough candidates at the cabin from five to seven. Tammy Wilson, Jimmy Cash, and Aaron Gibson will be there. Um, <clears throat> where is the cabin? I don't even know what that. It's pretty sad. I've been from I've been away from Fairbanks uh, long enough that some of these air, some of these places I just don't know where they are. So where's the cabin, Barbara? Tell us about that. Um. Does Alaska have a flow rate meter on rivers or is that a Washington thing? Don't know. Don't know. Um, Anthony said, I mean, y'all wouldn't take a four-ton RV up a flooded road when you see it where you see a disaster, I see a redneck speedboat opportunity. I mean, sure, if I'd had a zodiac, maybe that would be a good way to do it, but oof, man. Um does that Water is fickle. Does that mean water has feelings? No, 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 no. Um, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying. Mother Nature always wins. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. Uh. Let's see. Um. I'm scrolling through. What are you guys talking about? Alaska has many wild rivers that are significantly affected by tides combined with melt-off rain volumes and tides. There are many factors that are used to predict flood stage. Um, the cabin is at 901 Old Steese Highway. Hmm. I'm trying to think here. Old Steese. 901 Old Steese. Um trying to think of what's in there okay well I'll, I'll figure it out all right um anyway there you go uh yeah no it, again that's just a scary thing it's one of the few things that i i really i get a little scared about is uh if you're around a river that's flooding or something like because you just you know it's <laughs> turn your back and 30 minutes later the damn thing's up over the bank you didn't see it and uh, when you should have packed your stuff and gone somewhere else, <laughs> that would have been my first choice. Pack your stuff. Because, you know, even if you're stranded, you're not, it's not like you're going to relax and hang out and be like, oh, we'll just relax here and wait for the water to go down. You're waiting for the next batch of water to run over the top of the bank, right? So it's not like it's a relaxing time as you wait for the waters to recede. <laughs> you're waiting for everything to just wipe right over you. Um, yeah, hydraulics. Exactly, Jeannie. Hydraulics, the most powerful force in the universe. Just ask the Grand Canyon. That's exactly right. That stuff will, 
That stuff will ruin your day. All right. Um, I guess that's it. Jeannie, if you want to call in and hit us with a what if question or whatever, I'd love to hear what you have to say or something you'd, you know, call up and tell us what you'd like to discuss. And we'll we'll start that chat versus all these stories and stuff that I have here. There's some good ones in here, but, you know, I'd rather talk uh, about something that's a little more fun. That wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be a bad deal. All right, 907-433-3150. If you want to participate, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oh, it's Wednesday. Don't forget, no matter which platform you're on, if you share it, uh, you'll get more folks involved in the conversation. So reach out and let's get it done. Here we Good morning. Welcome back. Uh, hour one of the Michael Duke Show. Jeannie in the chat room this morning uh, during the commercial break there said, let's do a what if Wednesday. And I'm like, I'm down with that. Just call in. If you want to do a what if Wednesday, hit me with uh, hit me with a topic for what if. And we can just kind of spin off of that. If you want to call in and say, what if this? What if, you know, flooding? What if? I mean, speaking of flooding. That's a that's an interesting you know topic since we're on the topic of flooding we could talk about that you know how to prepare yourself as best you could, I mean a lot of these preparations that you would come from a what if Wednesday are all basically the same with some minor permutations in them, but it basically you know all starts with just basically having a plan, having a plan just in case something happens, uh, whether it's wildfires or earthquakes, or floods or a zombie apocalypse, or raining toads from the sky, whatever it is, there's, there's always, you know, there's a plan and you gotta, and you gotta, you gotta kind of think it through ahead of time because you don't want to try to be planning in the midst of whatever crisis it is. There's no, no doubt about it. We saw that with some of the wildfires and things like that down in the States. And of course the Maui wildfire, that was, that was uh, oof. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So if you've got some questions or you want to talk about kind of a what if scenario or, uh, you know, basic preparedness or whatever, I'm happy to do that as well. The phone number is, the phone lines are open right now. The phone number is 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Speaking of, how about the good news? The good news. Speaking of, uh, speaking of that, uh, I do have a bit of good news. And speaking of uh, the whole Mendenhall River thing, a pair of Alaska teachers needed good news after they lost nearly all of their possessions when their house collapsed into a, a river swollen by a glacial outburst flood. Uh, during that time, their cat went missing. 
Elizabeth Wilkins was holding on to hope that if any animal would survive the house falling into the river, it would be Leo, the couple's resilient, big-eyed, black-and-white cat. Uh, Their faith paid off 26 days after the flood when Tanya Mead posted a photo of Leo to the Juno Community Collective Facebook page. Um, She rushed to meet Mead. The river flooding was caused by that major breach of water from the Suicide Basin, the Mendenhall uh, Glacier. It was the burst, dam burst. Wilkins and her partner Tom Schwartz moved into the home shortly before the flood hit, but they were away on a mountain biking trip to Bend, Oregon. Uh, Ultimately, several homes were destroyed. The couple returned to Juno three days later to sort out new living arrangements and to look for their cat, Leo. I guess now they're going to have to call him Lucky Leo. Uh, it seemed like everyone in Juno was looking for him. There were plenty of sightings, but Wilkins said it appears there was just as many black and white unhoused cats in Juno. <laughs> There's like a lot of them. But he did turn up, and he appeared to be in good health. Uh, she said he was a little thinner, but otherwise totally fine. He ate four cans of tuna and then went outside to kill a mouse. Uh, she said, I imagine that's how he survived. But good news for them. I mean, you know, everybody needs a little bit of everybody needs a little bit of good news in their life on that kind of stuff. So... There's your good news for the week. It, it can it, it can happen. Uh, uh, all right, a uh, couple other stories. Oh, but I got a phone call. So let's uh, let's go over to the phone calls first before I dive into some of these other stories and give you uh, some more thought uh, some more thoughts and commentary on it. Uh, we'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. It's Jeannie. Hello, Jeannie. What uh, what are you thinking today? Uh, today on this What If Wednesday? So, well, Washington is one of those places, we call it the land of water. We get a lot of rain, we get a lot of snow up in the mountains. They've learned really over a century or so how to manage it, but things happen, right? So in 1996, we had a lot of floods, and I know Alaska had quite a bit of flooding too. Um, What ended up happening was the gates on the dam got frozen from the heavy snowfall and we had like a horrible ice storm. And then we got seven inches of rain in four days. And there was just no way to keep the water from coming out the river. And we just had to let open up the gates. Once they got them thawed out, they opened up the gates and the entire valley below flooded. So those are the kind of things we need to know. We need to know what is our actual elevation. Do we know what the effect of the river is going to have on our homes or our safe places? And then the next thing is you've got to plan for your neighbors too because people are going to come knocking on your doors when they, when, they, when they don't have a place or they're sitting up on the roof getting drenched. Um, the reality is we can't predict everything. The tides have a horrendous effect. We were on the Columbia River, and so we were at the part of the Columbia River at, downstream of Bonneville Dam, so we were affected by tides. Right. And we had a high tide, not just a high tide, but a king tide. And then the river was flowing and it went over its banks and flooded everything. Even the seawall that was constructed to keep that from happening was overcome. So don't think that for once you're going to be safe because you're at 120 feet. That river reached 115 feet and, and nobody had anywhere to go. So I like to talk also about, you know, food preparedness and safety of your food and then being able to stay warm. 
what happens when your gas goes up or what happens yeah. when you lose electricity? Do you have wood? Do you it's, have a way to warm up? That's an interesting question. Let me ask you, Jeannie. Were those houses, were they all built uh, on grade or were they built uh, raised? Were they on stilts? You know, were they were they raised up off the ground or were they built on grade? <laughs> they were built up off the ground after the flood when they recovered what was left <laughs> well, of and course. rebuilt their home. I mean, hindsight uh, is perfect, plain, right? Right, but it was... And it was it was insured by the state, right? When you're in a floodplain, the state or you're outside of the floodplain, the state carries your insurance. But when you're inside the floodplain, you have to buy it. And so, you know, fortunately, everybody had to buy flood insurance, so they weren't they didn't lose financially. They just lost a lot of their own personal belongings, which was kind of sad. Yeah, no, it is sad, and it's amazing how fast that stuff can turn. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, you've seen rudder, you've seen rivers go from normal to flood stage to over the bank in in just a handful of hours. And while that may sound like a lot, right. it's not. Yeah, especially yeah. with the rainfall. Right, the ground's frozen, the water has nowhere to go but right into the river. Yeah, and so that's the thing that you know we could we could see that in October. We could see that in April or May. Um, yeah. When the ground is frozen, it, it makes it tough to manage water when there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah. No. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's tackle this and deconstruct this for a minute here, and we'll we'll go over it. Thank you, Jeannie, for the for the prompt, and we'll see what we can come up with. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Appreciate it. Jeannie calling in. So I guess here's my thoughts. I mean, again, these there's some basic ideas that you can uh, you can pick up and uh, know immediately. Now, in most situations, you know, you'll want to stay home. Right. I mean, I know there's the whole nomenclature of the bug out bag. I'm going to bug out. Where are you going to bug out to? Where are you going to go that is, you know, more safe, more secure, has more supplies, has more, you know, things than your home. The idea is that, you know, first and foremost, you probably should plan to bug in as best as you can. Because as Jeannie said, if you're talking about things like food storage, being stranded, being unable to go anywhere, um, you know, some kind of the windstorm that we had here, natural disasters, people were stuck in their home for days. I was stuck uh, here at the house for four or five days where we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't, which doesn't sound like a lot unless you're one of those people who goes to the grocery store every two days to pick up, you know, the latest and greatest because you don't really keep any food on hand. Uh, Luckily, uh, we were, we were covered here. I mean, we had three feet of snow in the, in the, on the roads in the cul-de-sac. We didn't get plowed out for almost a week here uh, where I live. And I'm not that, I'm not that far from civilization, folks. But we were stuck here. There was just no way of getting out, not even in the in the little Jeep Cherokee. Couldn't even get that out. It was just it's too much. So you have to think about what do you do if you stay home? Well, of course, the food storage is important. Having, uh, you know, I think canned and dried goods. You know, we don't have to go for the fancy, the fancy schmancy, you know, mountain house or Patriot meals or whoever makes all the freeze-dried you know, kind of stuff. That stuff is great. Don't get me wrong. It's got a long shelf life and everything else, but it's not, you know, <laughs> have you ever looked at the sodium content on some of that stuff? It's good for the short term, not for the long term. You're better off having a full supply of canned goods and uh, and dried, you know, canned and dried goods um, and the ability to either make water, have water, you know, from your well or whatever, or have stored water on hand to take care of it. But again, the problem becomes in the flooding situation, 
what if you have to leave? Well, the bad news is, is uh, unless you have all that stuff packed in totes and you've got a flatbed truck or something that you can haul all your stuff out, the likelihood of being able to take all that food storage with you is pretty is pretty slim. Uh, but you need to have basically a plan. You need to think about what am I going to do uh, and what would I need to take? If, if I had two hours to leave my house, what would I take with me? And uh, we talked about this here not too long ago with some of the fires that were popping up around the state and some of the places that were being threatened and, of course, the flooding. But you should have, you know, some Rubbermaid totes with some basic uh, supplies, some basic things that you might need, um, you know, whether that be medicine or, uh, uh, you know, hygiene products or things like that. Um, it never hurts to have a couple Rubbermaid totes on your shelf with a few things like that. Some flashlights, some warm clothes, um, you know, some different types, I guess, different types of clothes, not just warm clothes, but, you know, maybe rain gear, snow gear, whatever. Um, and you could probably put all that stuff in if it's a family of, you know, two or three or four, you could probably have all that stuff in maybe four or five, six Rubbermaid totes. Um, maybe some of your photographs, um, or, um, some of your keepsakes, things that are irreplaceable, uh, you know, being able to be put in an empty tote that's sitting there ready to just be loaded up. Uh, but again, having the basic materials needed to provide for you and your, and your loved ones in those cases, it would be good to have, you know, a mountain house meal, uh, lifeboat rations, some MREs or something in those boxes so that you had at least have something to eat that, you know, you could eat on the spot, eat it cold. You don't have to worry about it, uh, that kind of stuff, but you should be able to have, you know, again, uh, a plan in place that you thought about. That if you do have to leave your home, that you should have all that uh, you should have all that ready to go in a handful of totes. It's just you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You know you got an old coat that you don't wear anymore. Put it in the box. Put it in the tote. Uh, you know a, co- a warm coat, a raincoat, any kind of gear. Maybe an extra old pair of boots that you're not using anymore. Throw them in there. Have enough gear so that you can outfit everybody in your family. And Jeannie mentioned your your neighbors, too. And while I do believe that we have a Christian duty to kind of help and take care of our neighbors in some way, you need to take care of yourself first. And then if you have any extras, you can think about taking care of them and doing everything else. But for the most part, you've got it's like when you're it's like when you're 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 in an aircraft, right? And they say they're going to depressurize and they say, parents, you need to put your mask on before you put your kids' masks on because you've got to survive to be able to help other people. So make sure you keep that in mind as well. And of course, again, having all your important papers and documents um, either in a folder or something that's either easy to throw into a backpack or you have them digitally, uh, not another, you know, not a bad thing to have all those things scanned and at least digital. Um, or again, just being able to put them into a large Ziploc and then throw them in your backpack on the way out the door, you know, grab two or three file folders with birth certificates and car titles and land deeds and things like that, where all you have to do is just reach into the file cabinet and grab those three or four file folders, stuff them into a big Ziploc baggie and, uh, uh, and, and away you go. Not a, not a bad Not a bad thing to do to have all that stuff on hand just in case. I mean, if your house gets wiped away by the river or burned down by the wildfire, 
you want to be able to uh, to think about those things. So let me pontificate on this over the uh, over the break, and we'll see if we can take some more comments from the chat room on it. And I'll finish up some thoughts on this here on the other side, and then maybe we'll take on some other stories. Or if you've got some other what-if scenario that you want to talk about, um, again, probably some of these things apply to almost any kind of what-if scenario. Whether it is being stuck at home during a huge windstorm like in the Matsu, or flooding, or fires, or earthquakes, or, again... Toads raining from the sky. Whatever it is, we could continue. Back with more of the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Uh, let me go back to the chat room to see what you guys have been talking about and see what's going on here. Um, Near the Fred Myers, close to Home Depot, intersection of the Old Steese and Trainer Gate. Uh, Okay, thank you for that, Barbara. I uh, was not, uh, not as, um, uh, wait, Sandy's got it all figured out. She says, well, I have you on YouTube on my TV so she can see, just see this face like all big and on her screen, but she's in Facebook so she can participate in the chat room. So there you go. Um, all right. Um, Really, anytime you go outdoors here in Alaska, you need to ensure first and foremost that you don't have a case of of head up butt syndrome. Yeah, no, Anthony, I agree. Uh, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Teresa says, Finding out if the natives never built on a certain spot is extremely helpful. Not building on a floodplain needs to happen much more. Yeah, I mean, or you need to plan for that. If you're building in a floodplain, you know, I wouldn't be building a house with a basement on a floodplain. You know what I mean? That that would probably be a good idea. Let's build it up on stilts. Let's get it, you know, three or four feet up off the ground and, and away from everything. If that's the that's the that's the thing. Um Okay. You do have to rotate through your stock, says Barbara. Of course. I mean, that's, you know, this is the thing with long-term food storage. And a lot of people get, I think they get twisted on this. And I think they get sideways on it. In their mind, long-term food storage is shelf after shelf of, you know, MREs or Mountain House or something like that. That's my long-term food storage. I believe that long-term food storage should be built up of, uh, I, I think that there's a part there's a there's a place for those things. Um, and as I said, a place for those things usually is when you have to leave your location, if you have to go somewhere where you don't have access to your main food storage. But I believe that your main food storage should be made up of, um, you know, canned goods and dried goods that are available on your grocery store shelf. Uh, I have a in my... In my pantry, I have a can rotator. It's a six-foot-tall, four-foot-wide 
um, rotate where I just we put canned goods in it. It's specifically built to be first in, first out. So you get, you know, you go to you go to Costco and you buy a flat of tomato soup, Campbell's tomato soup, and you just feed the cans into it, and it goes, and the first one comes out, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and that way, if you start to get low, you add to it, and the first can out is the first one you put into it. You know, and I've got a rack that's you know probably got a couple hundred cans of food, canned goods, stews and soups and, um, you know, Rotatel and, uh, you know, all the, all the things that you may need, um, for that. And that's, that's handy. That, that helps with that rotation. And then you, it's on to you to rotate out some of the dried goods and things like that. Now, my solution to rotation is to have, you know, four kids living at home because they'll eat you right out of rotation. You know what I mean? They'll eat that stuff. There's no, it doesn't sit on the shelf for any length of time because you eat it, you consume it and you rotate it out. So each, you know, if you've got four boxes of spaghetti or whatever else, you take the first box out. And when you get down to the second box, you buy two more and now you've got four new ones and you always put the old ones in the front. You know, it's just, it's a habit. Um, but that kind of food is what you're used to cooking, it's what you're used to eating, and it's better for you in a stress-filled situation like that than some of these other foods where, uh, like I said, I would only be taking Mountain House or Patriot Meals or MREs or whatever if I was if I had to leave and I needed a portable food source that I could eat anytime, anywhere with just a little bit of water and a you know and my little my little jet boil camp stove or whatever. That is. Um, that is a, a good idea, but you do have to rotate through your stock. Um, okay. Um, I remember growing up, my mom had all kinds of canned goods in our house in San Diego and up in our cars, Casan up, up in Julian, the cold war was on and they tested the air raid sirens every Monday. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just the way it was back in the day. Right. Um, it's a bigger challenge if you have a mobility challenged person, says Brian. And that's a hundred percent true, Brian. I mean, now your plans have to change totally. How do you take care? How do you, you know, plan for that? How do you get out in the case of an emergency in a speedy way? How, what, you know, what more do you have to take with you? I mean, it, it, that's a, that's an even bigger challenge. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, we're about to jump into... Um, uh, we're about to jump into this and, uh, and see what you guys have to say. Yeah, there can rotators like that. Uh, it, it happens. Uh, that's the best way to be able to rotate all that stuff. Makes it simple. Makes it easy. Here we go. The Michael Duke show. Well, see, now you did it. You got me onto this topic, and I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I got some of these other stories, which uh, we can get to, I guess, if uh, Mike Shower doesn't show up. But uh, there's been some questions and commentary in the chat room about 
again, this preparedness and everything else. Uh, Barbara said in the chat room, uh, she said, you do have to rotate through your stock. And uh, I agree. You have to rotate through your food stock. And again, that the easiest way to do that is to build up your basic food supply, if you have food storage, to build up your basic food supply out of the things you eat every day. So the canned goods and the packaged dry goods and stuff that you get from the store every day, that's the easiest way to do it. Because why? Because you're going to eat it. That rotates it out right there. So you need a can of soup, you buy two or three. And you put one on the shelf, you know, or put two on the shelf, you eat one. And then when it gets down to one or two, you buy two more. And you just make sure that you you are either diligent about making sure you grab the last one first. I know people who used to write the dates of purchase on the tops of cans. That's a lot of work. I, I don't do it. I popped for a, a big metal shelf that looks like a it looks like a you know a five six foot tall, four foot wide shelf unit that has rollers on it that you just drop the cans in. So first in, first out. It's a shelf unit. It's a, a can rotator. So I buy a case of Campbell's soup, you know, from Costco or whatever. I just, you know, I just uh, uh, drop them in there. And then the first one in is the first one out. And as you fill it up and as you use it up, and as I said, it's easiest for us to use it up because, I mean, I got four kids living at home. Trust me, you will be rotating that food out because there will be nothing left. And all you got to do is just train the kids to make sure that when they're putting food away, that they put the new food in behind the older food, right? So you got two boxes of spaghetti and you got two new boxes. You put the older ones behind or the new ones behind and eat the older ones first, I, you know, but it doesn't matter. You, that's what food storage, in my opinion, should be built out of. Now, again, you still need, you know, uh, uh, you know, a couple cases of MREs or some mountain house or something in case you have to go. If you have to leave your home for, again, fire, flood, windstorm, power outage, freeze up, whatever it is, you want to be able to grab some of those, you know, good to go things so that you can eat on the fly if you need to. But yeah, you hate to have to leave your canned goods behind, but that's just, you know, you got to plan for different phases. The biggest thing is to just think about this and to consider it before it happens. I mean, that if there was a number one rule to any kind of preparedness for your home or for your family or anything else is that you should at least spend an hour sometime and just sit down and bring out a yellow pad of paper and say, you know, fire, flood, earthquake, storms, windstorm, power outage, freeze up, nuclear apocalypse, whatever it is, just write down some things that would happen and say, what would I need in most of these instances? What are the basic things that you need? Well, you need clothing, you need some food, you need some water. Don't forget water. You may need shelter. Do you grab a tent with you just in case? Are you going to be able to sleep in your vehicle? Do you have enough spaces there? You know, if you if you get flooded or burned out of your home or anything else, what do you do there? You know, medicines, again, important paperwork, titles, birth certificates, deeds, you know, insurance papers, anything like that. Uh, just have them ready to hand and ready to grab. You can walk by, sling open the file cabinet, grab, you know, they're in the front of the file cabinet. They're the first four folders of any drawer in your file cabinet. has got those important papers. You pick them up, you stuff them in a backpack, away you go. You know, so, but that, just that hour of planning will do a lot for you. It'll give you some peace of mind. 
and if I can encourage anybody to do anything on this, is to sit down and at least spend an hour some evening thinking about that. What would we need? What would we do? How would we go about it? If I said you have 90 minutes to leave, what would you take? And would you be ready to go? So uh, I saw somebody, I think Jeannie said something about necessity is the mother of preparedness planning. Yeah, what is absolutely necessary? And of course, the planning component of it is the important part. Uh, all right, let's go back to the phones and see what you have to say. 907-433-3150. Over here we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What's uh, on your mind this morning? Well, I might say that I always write on all my food that I buy with the Sharpie marker, the date. And I don't write it on the metal top of a can. I write it on the paper part. But anyway, what I was actually calling about is I wanted to go to the Palmer Fair. I have not been there since 2010, but I couldn't quite manage it. You know, didn't get down there. But I was just wanting to enjoy it vicariously through someone else's experience. And I just wondered, did you go to the Palmer Fair? And was there anything neat there in particular that uh, caught your eye? And I have a... wondered. I have a confession to make, Randy. I have lived down here for 10 years. We're coming up on 10 years of living down here. And I have never once been to the State Fair. I've never once been to the Anchorage State Fair, the Palmer, you know, the I've never been there. So I couldn't tell you. I'm not a good one to judge. It's just not, uh, I don't know, it's just not my jam. Um, I would rather, I, I would rather... There's other things that I would rather do, quite honestly. I went to the fair a lot when I was a kid in Fairbanks, went to the Tanana Valley State Fair quite a bit. Um, but as we got older, we didn't really go to that very much either because, you know, we had five kids and it was an expense to go. I mean, it cost you a couple hundred bucks to get through the door and do everything that day. So it was just something that we tended not to do. Um, so I can officially say... I have no idea because I have never been to the Alaska State Fair. I guess maybe that's sacrilegious, but that's just, uh, I guess that's just my thing. I see. Well, that's <clears throat> that's okay. I know I religiously go to the uh, Tannenau Fair here at Fairbanks. My favorite thing is the Borealis building where they have the political booths and informational booths. And, of course, I like to see the animals. I'm not interested in any of the rides. I <laughs> never go on that stuff. Uh, and and they had the turkey legs this year at the uh, at the Fairbanks Fair were eighteen dollars, which I refused to pay, so I didn't get any turkey legs, uh, roasted <laughs> smoked turkey legs. It's just too much. Eighteen bucks. Eighteen bucks. That. Yeah, that's the other okay. thing. That's a, you know, I mean, we ended up only going to the food for or the fair for the food, right? But yeah, when you cost you eighteen bucks for <clears throat> eighteen bucks for a turkey leg or twelve bucks for an elephant ear or something. You could, uh, you know, you you basically will burn through a, a whole paycheck pretty quick on something like that. So, while I know people enjoy it and it's a great it's a great thing for many people, it's just not it's just not my jam. So, I mean, I would uh, I would yep. r- rather go and enjoy something else. Okay, well, thank you. Appreciate it, Randy. Thank you for calling in nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. Um, I guess we're down to the last minute here. Uh, I do have some stories uh, to get to. So if for some reason Mike Shower is not able to join us in the next hour and we'll know here in the next uh, we'll know here in the next seven, eight minutes whether or not he's going to be able to join us, um, we will uh, we'll tackle those stories. Or if you want to continue on the what if thing, we can continue to discuss that. 
uh, and uh, and talk about that. I, I mean, I'm I'm happy to do that. Uh, but uh, give us a call, 907-433-3150, or drop us an email. The email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com. M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. Love to hear what you guys have to say on this or any other topic. Uh, a little bit of Wednesday action, what if, and hopefully up next, State Senator Mike Shower. We'll be back right after this. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Don't forget, come join us on Facebook this morning if you want to be part of the chat room at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live. Uh, or you could join us on YouTube or Twitch or any of those other places. We love it. We'll see you back right after this. <sighs> Let me go get caught up here in the... Uh, um, Let's get caught up here on the uh, chat room. Um, okay. Um, Melody says, truth, Michael Dukes, I have a 12-year-old boy that makes sure I grocery shop every week. I mean, it happens. I mean, my, my wife has got to go to Costco every two weeks. And, I mean, trust me, every two weeks, and it's a trip. It's a trunk full of stuff every two weeks to Costco. <laughs> we definitely buy in bulk around here. You know what I mean? Um, Melody says, I put the older stuff up front and the newer stuff. In. Yeah, that's exactly how you do it. Like I said, you got two boxes of spaghetti on the shelf and you've bought two more to keep, you know, you've decided that you want to have four boxes of spaghetti. You always put the new ones in the back. So you always use the, you know, it takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of training for the kids. Not that you could probably tell the difference between pasta that was six months old and a year old. There's probably no difference. And again, not that a box of pasta ever lasted long in my house, you know, or rice or whatever it is. Uh, now, I do store a few things that in bulk. Uh, that are easy to do. Rice is one thing. I've got some of the little five-gallon food-safe buckets with what they call gamma lids. The gamma lids are the screw-off lids. So I'll buy a 25-pound bag of rice at uh, Costco or a 30-pound bag of rice at Costco, and I'll pour it into the bucket. I don't seal the bucket. I don't put Mylar bags. I don't bother with any of that stuff unless I'm looking to store it super long-term because... You know, I figure 30 pounds of rice, it's not going to go stale between now and the time we use it. Plus, the gamma lids keep it all nice and tidy and neat and uh, easy to use and easy to uh, easy to store. You don't have to worry about mice or voles or whatever else. It, it, you know, makes it easy. So I do store a few things in bulk. Sugar, uh, rice, for sure. Uh, flour, we usually get in bags, and I keep a couple bags on the shelf, but, you know, it's... Not something that we worry about at the time. Uh, Brian says, back in the day, the feds and their never-ending desire to perpetuate fear declared that if people who stored food and other supplies were preppers and likely militia associated. So if you planned ahead, you should be feared. Yeah, there was a lot of fear-mongering going on. Now, this was mostly post-Y2K because leading up to Y2K, that's what everybody was preparing for. Remember that? The whole world was going to end with Y2K. Uh, so everybody was preparing in one form or another. And then, of course, nothing happened. 
um, which, again, much ado about nothing. I was not sweating Y2K at all. Let me just put it that way. Um, but after that, yeah, it then became kind of the preparedness kind of became a dirty word. Like if you were, a, you know, you were used to be survivalist, right? Oh, you're a survivalist, I see. No, I'm just kind of want to be ready for anything. Oh, you're prepared. You're a prepper. Oh, you're a prepper. And, you know, and then, of course, you had shows like Doomsday Preppers and some of these other shows that were the fad and the rage for the time, which I had to chuckle about. I I kind of. I kind of laughed. I kind of liked watching them just because they always had some interesting ideas about things. But, you know, you just had to love it. So, Jimmy, what are you preparing for? Well, I'm preparing for global nuclear war. You know, what are you preparing for, Tammy? I'm preparing for the collapse of the dollar. Well, what are you preparing? I'm preparing for the zombies. I'm preparing for the zombies, you know. And it was always half toothless wonders in some deep woods of somewhere, you know, looking at you, telling you why they were, it just made us, you know, it made you look bad. And, and like you said, Brian, the government was also out there that if you prepared, if you had stored food, you were probably, which was a real problem for Mormons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Mormons, because church doctrine says you got to have a couple of years worth of food on the shelf. That's the, that's what they said. They recommend that all the members have a couple of years worth of food on the shelves to take care of themselves and their families and their friends and everything else. I mean, that's so what? All of a sudden, all these Mormons are, uh, are you know, militia members. and it's, it, it never made any sense to me. That stuff never made any sense to me. That, that's the that's the thing. Um. How do I post a picture? Uh, I don't know if you can post a picture in this chat, Jennifer, because uh, it's a live chat. So you'll have to uh, post it somewhere else and then post the link into the chat would be the best way to do it. Um, Jeannie says, scan your photos and put the originals in a tote. Exactly. I mean, I would scan all your original photos to the cloud, you know, put them in a Google Drive account or something where you have access to them anywhere. All your old family photos and everything else and then put all of them in a tote. Absolutely. So you can take them with you. Um, the smart people in Washington flood threw everything into their fishing boats and left their homes confident. Yeah. I mean, again, you got to have a, but you got to have a plan to know what's going away. Um, yeah. Um, doesn't the Palmer Fair have a canned food day? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I just, again, I have not been inclined to go do that. Um, Greg says, always have a couple of bottles of scotch in the larder. Yeah. I mean, I have probably a dozen different bottles cause they're all different. I, I enjoy different tastes and I don't drink very much. So I have a bottles that I've been, were, you know, given 10 years ago, still on the shelf because I just every now and then like to sip something, but those are good things to have. You know, in the case of an emergency, if you need them for moral support or for cleaning something up, I mean, whatever you got to do. If you have fet, if you have pets, don't forget uh, pet food and water. Said Amy. Again, not a thing to uh, not a thing to worry about. Um. Um. In Kodiak, says Teresa. Uh, when the tsunami warning sounds, people say the location of the epicenter is critical to know so people can figure out how, how long they have before the wave hits the area. Absolutely. It's always a good idea. You never know, but it's a good, it's a good thing to do. All right. Uh, we gotta go. 
I don't see Mike Shower, so we'll see what happens here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio stations and or translators. Good morning and welcome to the program. Hour two of the big radio show. We were hoping to hear from State Senator Mike Shower in this hour, but he did warn me that he may be traveling for work. I wasn't sure if he was going to be back on the ground in time. So he may join us sometime this morning. Uh, In this hour, or he may not. Uh, His last word from yesterday afternoon was, if you don't hear from me, it's because I'm flying. I'm out of the air. So it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. So if uh, Senator Shower joins us in this hour, we'll get a chance to chat with him. If not, we're going to continue. we got some news stories. But there were some interesting discussions during the top of the hour in the break. And and we were talking about this what if thing. And um, I don't, uh, I mean, I could. Here's the thing. I could spend the next hour talking about this. Okay, um, it, uh, it, it, uh, it, it is an important topic, I believe, and it's something that I've been passionate about for many years. Uh, simply because, again, uh, being kind of born and raised by uh, between between <laughs> sourdough grandparents. You know, my grandmother was born up on American Creek, uh, Eagle Creek, up on uh, up towards Manly. Uh, back in the early 1900s, you know, kind of that mentality. Uh, and on top of that, being raised Mormon, I mean, there was a whole lot of there was a whole lot of discussion about food storage and, you know, kind of that whole lifestyle and everything else. That's that's kind of how the whole thing, you know, in my mind progresses. And so it's something that's near and dear to me and something that gives me peace of mind. Um. It's something that gives me, you know, it 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 quells any kind of fear uh, that I may have about scenarios like we saw with the fires or that massive windstorm uh, that took place last winter um, here in the uh, in the Matsu, the windstorm and then the snow, the just the dumping of snow that we had here in the Matsu, uh, and of course other places across the state have faced flooding and fires and and everything else. So to me, it, uh, you know, uh, preparedness brings peace. It gives you the peace of mind that you need to know that regardless of what the situation is, you have prepared to the best of your ability. Now, that may not be enough in some cases. It just, it is what it is. Uh, it is what it is. Um, but 
you definitely uh, will feel better if you take that time. I, I was just saying before the end of the last hour um, that, you know, you spend an hour. You know, you don't have to. This is not something where you have to change your whole lifestyle to think about. Right. Spend an hour. Uh, even if you don't want to think about long-term food storage or anything else, what, you know, just think about what would you need if you had to leave your home in a hurry due to, you know, fires or floods or any kind of weather event or earthquakes or something. What would you do if you had to leave your home in a hurry? And in a hurry is to me, anything less than three hours, right? You have three hours to gather all your stuff up that you need and away you go. Um, and so if you've thought about it, if you've put a little planning into it, if maybe you've spent, uh, you know, a little bit of time and, you know, went down to Fred Meyers or wherever and bought yourself some, uh, you know, ha- half a dozen Rubbermaid totes that you could just throw some stuff in and have it ready just in case you might sleep a little better at night. You know, that's a, that's a good way to go. Um, so I, I could continue to talk about this in hour one here if you guys want, but I'll I got the phone lines open at 907-433-3150. If you would like to uh, sound off on this or anything, or if you have another topic that you want to talk about, I'm 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 happy to do it. A uh, couple other questions, I guess, since I, I'm getting all these questions from the chat room this morning. So <clears throat> I'll just since this is a topic I enjoy and I'm kind of passionate about, I'll continue to go on. What's your advice on generators, uh, says Kim. She wants to know. Um, well, it, it depends on how on what you want to do. Are you talking about whole home generation where you can have enough, you know, where you have enough power to uh, provide, you know, to un- uninterrupted service to your home? Uh, or are you talking about just emergency, portable, that kind of thing? I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to both, right? Um, if you're looking to just keep, for example, you're just looking to keep your furnace running, it's cold. Uh, you know, you live, well, I mean, let's say you like, you live in Fairbanks, right? Where 40 to 50 below is not unheard of in the winter. Uh, maybe you just want to be able to keep your, uh, furnace running, uh, and keep that cycled. I mean, I think that there are several good generator companies out there. I believe Honda is one of the best. Um, and they have, you know, they have, a, a some of the smaller generators, probably nothing less than two kilowatts, 22 kilowatts is their standard little thousand dollar unit that you can carry around like a suitcase. Um, and it, uh, it, it'll power anything, including computers and stuff like that. Cause it's got the special inverter on it to protect electronics. But generally speaking, you can run, uh, you know, a, a burner on something like that if you wanted to keep your home. Now, that's not going to keep anything, you know, like I said, you're not going to be able to run much with 20, 20, uh, 2200 uh, watts, uh, but it will at least keep your furnace running and keep that kind of stuff going. Um, but if you're looking for a whole home, then it depends on what you're doing. Are you only running on fuel oil? Are you only running on, or do you you have gas? You know, maybe you want to get a diesel generator instead of a instead of a gas generator and you could get a 10 kilowatt. I've seen, you know, 10, 11 kilowatt generators that can be mounted. I've seen them that can uh, smaller ones that are eight, nine that can be rolled around um, and plugged into your, 
you know, plugged into your panel where you flip it with a switch and you go from grid power to your generator power. Sometimes multi-fuel where it'll do one or the other. Whether It could be gas powered. Natu- if you have natural gas, maybe you've got a natural gas power generator. There's plenty of options, but you have to decide what you want to do ahead of time. Do you want something that's, you know, especially if you're on a budget. I mean, if you could have both, then great, have both. If you've got the money to do both, you know, but understand that a, you know, that a significant size, you're talking into the 10 kilowatt range, you're talking about, you know, probably seven, eight, nine thousand dollars just for that unit. Plus the cost to hook it up to your home system and everything else. You're, you're definitely going to probably into that for $10,000 by the time you're said and done, but you'll have peace of mind, right? And like I said, some of the, some of the sturdier ones are portable. And you can uh, you can take them with you if you need to. To me, that would be a big thing. Uh, I think I would start, and I've started. I have a little suitcase generator um, because if I need to leave and I need to have power with me, nothing better than my little suitcase generator and a five gallon can of gas. Uh, which reminds me, I think Greg said it in the chat room. You uh, you, you should always make sure that your vehicles are topped off. When you get to half a tank of gas, you should probably top your vehicle back off because nobody wants to wait in line if there's a crisis to try and get fuel because you're down on E. You know what I mean? So um, it's a, there, there, I think there's a variety of uh, things you can do um, that will do it. You know, uh, if you get upwards of a 10K generator, you, you can run pretty much your whole house with it. Um, six to 7,000 kilowatts. You can run most of the house with it. But things like freezers and other things, uh, some of those things that pull a lot of power, you know, your mileage may vary depending on your lifestyle and what you're doing. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, having power is definitely a plus. We are creatures of comfort and we've gotten used to that. And trying to figure out how to do all those things without having the power is is definitely uh, frustrating and stress-inducing. So if you figure all this stuff out early, there you go. I mean, let's face it. If we all got our dividends you could, and you're a family of four, you could buy a generator setup that would last you for 25 years and uh, you'd be okay with it. The other thing to remember is you've always got to, you know, speaking of gas generators or whatever, you know, you need to run those things and test those things every year. You need to run them for a while. If you've got fuel in a generator, you don't want it to just have the fuel sitting in the generator for two years and you've never started it because that stuff will shellac up. So you need to make sure, you know, put some stable or something in there. There's a product, an additive called Stabil, S-T-A-B-I-L, that will, uh, you know, stabilize your gas to a point, but it only lasts so long, right? So you need to run the gas out of it or empty the gas out of it and refill it. But best thing to do is just run it for an hour every, uh, every summer or whatever, and let it get all worked up every summer, every winter, do it on the solstice, whatever, pick a, pick a time and run it for a little bit just to get things rolling and to make sure that they're running smoothly. Those are all things that, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, a thing to do. Uh, or you could do solar. Somebody just mentioned solar. They said uh, the 1500 water, 1500 watt solar generator with solar panels works great at our undisclosed cabin. Yeah. I mean, you could do solar. Again, it just depends on how much electricity stuff you're trying to move. And again, the nice thing about solar is you don't have to haul fuel out there or anything else. Now, the limitation is you can only do so much. 1500 watts is not 
a whole lot of you can run a few things. You're not running a you're not running a deep cycle refrigerator or freezer on something like that. Right? That's just how how it'll be. And of course having your freezers outside uh or in a lean to or someplace where it's you know outside, that can save you because you can unplug the freezers for the winter. Just make sure you remember to plug them back in when it gets warm. But you can unplug them for the winter and you don't have to worry about it. People have got cold. My parents have a cold room that has no heat. It's a little concrete room on the side of their house that has no heat. Um, and they got freezers in there and it stays, you know, 35 degrees, even when it's 30 below. Um, and you don't have to worry about your stuff thawing out. And yet you don't have to pay for all the electricity. Just some, I mean, just some thinking and thoughts on that kind of stuff. All right. Um, yeah, your CPAP. If you have a, see, I have a CPAP. I have sleep apnea. And uh, so I have a CPAP. So I have to have that generation. I've got the battery pack, but how am I going to charge the battery pack kind of thing, right? All right. Um, let's go over here. I got, and I got another phone call. Um, and we will see what you guys have to say this morning as we get ready to go through. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Matt from Homer. Hello, Matt. What's on your mind, my friend? So I, I live in Homer, and I know a lot of people up there in Fairbanks listen to the show, and uh, a lot of us have those uh, Renai little heaters in our house that, that heat our house. And um, what I've done is gone down to Napa, and I've bought those little battery pack uh, power inverter things that you can jumpstart your car with. Right. And have the little plug-ins or whatever. And most of those, most of those, uh, will power an eye for a really long time. So in the, in the wintertime, when you have a power outage or something like that, you can, uh, plug your, plug your heater into the little battery pack and you've got many days worth of, uh, of, uh, heat in your house it's not enough to do anything else but at least you have heat at the renai is that like a little uh is it like a little oil fire burn is it like a toyo stove is that what it's is that what it's like yeah like it's like a toyo stove yeah yeah. Well, there's and there's no reason why you couldn't have a, uh, you know, buy a single large deep cycle marine battery and put it on a trickle charger there in your home, be you know, near your stove and just have it where you, you know, buy the pigtail that you can clip it in and plug it in. If it runs on 12 volts, I mean, you've got with a deep cycle marine battery, Correct. you could yeah. run that yeah. thing for days. Right. And you're right. The little battery packs are handy. The little battery jumper packs, because they usually come with all the charging cords for phones and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, those little jumper packs are definitely a handy thing to have. But, yeah, heat is, I would say heat is probably one of the most important things in the state of Alaska when it comes to emergency preparedness. You should plan to have, if you don't have an alternate heat source in your house, you don't have a wood stove or something like that, that you should probably plan on uh, making sure that you have something that keeps your furnace running. Uh, as long as the gas is flowing or you have oil in your tank, that will probably take a lot of the stress off right there for sure. And those little Renais or Toyos, those are great. I mean, I have kerosene heaters that I've used in our house when we, we lost our boiler in Fairbanks about, oh, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. In the middle of the winter, the boiler just went down, like cracked, and we had a problem. And, uh, you know, we kept the house warm for the rest of the winter with the help of that that boiler. We limped it along, but we had some kerosene heaters that we were just real careful with, and we kept the house nice and warm uh, 
because of it, you just got to have a plan uh, because you can't deal with it. You know, Homer's probably yeah. a little easier. Fairbanks at 50 below, definitely not a place you want to be without heat. Yeah. Well, I mean, in general, just to be, be comfortable, you don't want to be without heat, right? You know, and That's I have true. a generator and I have all those things, but I have one of those battery packs for every single vehicle that I own. And so that's more than enough. And, and I have a wood stove. So it's, 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 there you go. it is about planning and making sure. And I have a truck that I would never let go below half a tank. And I also have a 55-gallon drum full of fuel yeah. just in case. So like yeah. in the worst-case scenario, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready. Hey, redundancy, it's not a bad thing. Two is one and one is none. That's my motto when it comes to that kind of stuff. I totally agree with you. Matt, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. We are coming up on the break. Uh, We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Phone lines are open, 907-433-3150. If you want to sound off, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Well, this show didn't go where I was expecting it to go today, but that's good. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy that discussion. Uh, Toyo's running 120 volts, not 12 volt. Yeah. I mean, I'm not familiar with the Renai. Apparently he can get it to work on 12 volt. I don't know if he's got an inverter or whatever. I've got a little inverter that I can plug into. Uh, I've got a 1500 watt inverter, thousand watt inverter, maybe that I can plug into any vehicle and get, get 120 out of the other end of it. Uh, so that's a way to do it or, or say, Charlie says he converted his generator to propane. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Uh, I, you know, having the ability to have something like that, just make sure that you have to have enough propane to be able to run that. Uh, Rick says 10,000 watt welder is a generator. That's true too. That's true. There's a lot of tools that can be multi-purposed as far as that goes. Um, furnace and generator and wood. Uh, says Denise. Furnace and generator and wood. Well, there you go. Um, Jeremy says, uh, something like that isn't going to run any kind of heater for days, maybe half a day. I live off the grid, so I think I know what I'm talking about. I mean, again, I'm not familiar with Renai, so I don't know what their power is. But, I mean, you know, I have seen people run that kind of stuff off, again, deep cycle batteries. Uh, I had a couple of battery backups that would last, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours. For that kind of stuff. That's, you know, there you go. Um, I have three separate meters here. So when we have major power outages, I get stressed, especially for milking cows and goats. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can imagine having to do that kind of stuff is definitely. Um, Off Grid, says Brian, is a big genre here on YouTube. Um, good place to get gear reviews. No, I think that there's a lot, uh, um, I think that's a lot of, uh, of, uh, good information out there, uh, from reliable sources. You got to check your sources, but yeah, most of it's good. 
Um, yeah, that's what I said, uh, Jeremy. I, I have an inverter that runs from my vehicle to give me 110. That's an inverter. Um, there you go. Propane is my backup heat, says Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's good to have a secondary heat source. I got to tell you, it's good to have some form of secondary heat to be able to keep everything warm. Um, it looked uh, only 6,000 watts, not bad for a small place. Good price, too. I think that was the link that, uh, oh, that Brian put up. Portable power stations. Goal zero. I mean, somebody was talking about putting up one of the uh, Tesla wall units, wall batteries, you know? Sure. I mean, if you got, if money is no object, there's all kinds of things you can do. But having power is probably one of the easiest things to take care of in the very beginning. You just need to make sure that you got the, uh, you just got to make sure that you have the, uh, you know, your priority straight and getting power is, is first and foremost uh, a good one. Prius can be great generators, said Jeannie. Yeah, I mean, do those cars, I, I don't know. I mean, you tell me, do those cars, I don't have an electric car, do those cars have plug-ins, like 110 plug-ins in them anywhere, where you can run stuff out of their own battery? Do they have a built-in inverter? I have no idea. It would seem like a no-brainer if you're, you know, if you've got that all those electrical systems there already to include. You can buy an inverter for like 75 bucks for a regular inverter. They make kits for them. There you go. Um, um, got a little propane yesterday, 4.49 per gallon. There's a There was a better place, but pump was down. Yeah, no, that, uh, you know, propane is expensive. It's getting to the point now where it's almost cheaper to just go swap your cylinders out every time than getting them filled. Chris says his truck has an AC plug-in. Yeah, exactly. Those little inverters are handy. I, like I said, I've had one for years uh, that I got. I think it's 1,000, 1,200 watts, maybe 1,500. I think it's 1,000. But handy and pretty cheap at the price to be able to give you a little bit of 110 power. All right, we got to go. Uh, we're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all the YouTube things and all that stuff. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the program. <laughs> kind of turned into a what if Wednesday, uh, just arbitrarily, all by themselves. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, Wednesday edition of the program. And we're flying by our lonesomes here today. Um, it uh, It's a it's been a fun discussion, but very interesting. You know, when it comes to emergency situations, the things you need to worry about are obviously, you know, food, shelter, and clothing. With really shelter being probably at the top of that list, if you really want to, if you really want to make sure that you are able to last, 
And, of course, baked into that shelter idea, especially in the state of Alaska, is the ability to heat and stay warm. Right? You need you need, you need need food, clothing, and shelter. Um, and clothing plays into that a bit. And, of course, with food, you also need water. That's another thing, an ancillary thing to think about. But we've been talking about just the home generation and protecting yourself and being able to keep being able to stay at least moderately warm in the and of course Alaska has extremes right people down in Homer are going to experience a very different kind of winter than people who are up in Fairbanks uh you know where it gets you know 40 or 50 below uh for stretches at a time but having the ability to uh, having the ability to uh to you know keep a little power on and keep your heat going or to have alternate heat sources like, you know, wood or coal or something like that. Those are all great ideas and things you should consider and think about. Uh, of course, the one caveat with any kind of uh, generation or generator or anything else like that is you need to make sure that you're using it properly. Don't be bringing that generator inside. Don't be bringing the generator inside and trying to pipe the exhaust out and all. just, you know, put it outside. Build a little box for it outside your your house or through a window or whatever, but just no, just just build it outside. Don't don't suffocate yourself. Do not suffocate yourself. That's not a good idea. Oh man. So anyway, uh, heat is a, is a big thing. I mean, if I was going to invest in anything, well, food storage for me is always first. Having some food on hand is always first. But if you were going to invest in anything. You know, uh, you can find a, 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 you know, a couple thousand watt generator. You don't, if you don't want to, if you don't have the money, something is better than nothing, right? The five or $600 kibatsu, whatever is better than having nothing. I mean, if you got the money for the thousand or 1200 bucks or whatever it is for a little, you know, Honda two two kilowatt, 2.2 kilowatt portable generator, then get it. But if you only have a few hundred bucks, it's better than nothing. You could always trade up and sell off what you don't need. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't put it in a box. Oh, well, I mean, you know what I mean, Bill. I'm just saying you can build an enclosure, you can put it in the you can put it in the edge of the house under the lean to or whatever. You it needs to be properly ventilated, just like anything else. Um there you go. It's uh it's 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 the way to do it. And you could do it in a variety of ways, but having that heat and having a little bit of that power will definitely take uh take the stress off. And again, these are things you want to think about always before this, you know, before the situation happens. I mean, if you've got a generator, great, but have you tried putting it all in place? You know what I mean? Have you pretended like, "Oh, I've lost power. What do I do?" No, no, I just bought the stuff and it's sitting on a shelf in my garage in case I need it. Well, again, spend an hour just laying everything out, hooking everything up and running your furnace off your generator just to see how it works. You know, make sure you have the right cords and the lengths and everything you need and you've got fuel and all those kind of things. You should run that. Just run it to see what it's like. So you could at least plan ahead. You know what it would be. You've done it once before. You're not attempting to do it all under the stress of the moment of something happening and something going on. You know, it's all, uh, 
it's, uh, you know, it's all kind of part and parcel of that. But the food storage thing, like I said to me, is always because that's the easiest thing to do. You know, how do you start your food storage? You could start your food storage today. It's not a huge investment. It's not like you have to go down and write, you know, thousands of dollars worth of checks to the grocery stores to make it happen. You go to the grocery store, you need a can of Campbell's soup, buy two. Need a box of pasta, buy two. You know, need a box of rice or cereal, buy two. You know, and then anytime you get down to that one left on the shelf, you buy another one. So you've always got two on the shelf or whatever, whatever you decide, however in-depth you need to be with your food storage. And that's where food storage starts. Now, again, is it nice to have all these 25-year shelf-stable, high-dollar, gee whiz, go-fast stuff? Sure. It's good to have. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kick it out of the house or anything. But is that what you're planning on for your food storage? My food storage is, again, just what I have on my shelf. I just slowly built up to where I've got, you know, racks and racks and racks of canned food and and dried goods and things that we could live off of in case we got stuck in the house for a week or two or, you know, something went on where we couldn't get down to the store. Um, and yeah, then you still have your MREs or your mountain house or whatever, uh, because that's portable and it's easy. It's go to it cooks on its own. It doesn't require a lot of preparation. And, uh, you know, in the MREs case, it's high calories and, and keeps you going, uh, and is shelf stable for many, many years. So it's, it's not a bad deal, but again, I'm not going down to buy the buckets of food storage right away. I would rather spend that money on canned goods, the things that we eat every day, canned foods, you know, dried packaged foods, things like that. And, uh, you, you'd be, you'd be amazed what you can do, uh, with a lot of that stuff. Uh, but that's how you slowly build it. And of course, the one thing you can't forget about is water. You need to have your water, uh, and rotate that water out. Um, you know, use it up. Uh, or if you've got it stored, like in, I have in drum form, you need to empty it out, refill it every year, a couple, you know, three, four, five, six, seven drops of bleach in there just to kind of make sure it doesn't grow anything that you don't want in a 55 gallon drum. You're good to go. It's just the, just the, the way it is. All right. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, and take the next phone call. I got another phone call, so we'll continue on here. Uh, this show was not going as I expected it to go this morning. I had other things I was going to talk about, but we'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole, and I just. Good morning. Good morning, Ron. I'm sorry. You were, uh, oops, I just accidentally put Ron back on hold. Good morning, Ron. You're, uh, good to hear from you. What do you, what's on your mind? I thought that you were in this uh, discussion of generators that folks out there might like to, uh, have an idea just what kind of investment you're talking about. Uh, we had a rather extensive power outage here about 10 years or so ago and we're Able to run the furnace with the uh, good work of one of my neighbors and my little Honda 2000 generator. But uh, I decided that was not going to happen again and uh, bought a 7000i and uh, had the uh, electrical breaker put in so that it didn't blow the man off the pole when it came back. 
And uh, at any rate, that generator was right in the $4,000 range at the time, and the uh, professionally installed electrical hookup was another $1,400. I've priced the generators since then, and they've gone up approximately $1,000. So you're talking about somewhere in the six dollars to $7,000 range for that kind of setup. Right. And does... And does uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and does that setup does that setup run your whole house, Ron? Are you able to pretty much operate as normal, or do you have to be miserly with it? Does the seven thousand uh, seven kilowatts run the whole place? Ah, oh, man, I'm sorry, Ron. I apologize. I mashed too many buttons. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Ron. You were power outages since, so I don't really know for sure, but I do know that it okay. runs the. Hold uh, on a second, Ron. I'm sorry. I, Ron, I, I apologize. I accidentally had. <laughs> I accidentally. I've been right. hot button muting. I accidentally muted you. So the question was, does the seven thousand? It does the seven kilowatt, does that run your whole house regularly or do you have to kind of be miserly with it? Uh, it well, I, I, I've not really tried it out except for testing and uh, I haven't tried it out on the electric oven. So I suspect that it might be a little warning if you wanted to cook as normal, but for uh, regular things like uh, the refrigerator, uh, the heat, that sort of thing, it works very well. Okay. Well, I mean, and that's, uh, again, yeah, you have to think about that. Do you have gas cooking or do you have, uh, do you have electrical cooking? Do you have a backup stove? Do you have a camp stove or something you can use? That's all, that's all good things to think about, you know, uh, when you're going through that. Uh, but yeah, I think most households could limp along on seven kilowatts, uh, if they needed to, with the exception of running, you know, you're not going to be running your clothes dryer. You're not going to be running your, uh, your probably your oven. You probably can run the the stovetop, but probably not the oven. Uh, but yeah, it's a good thing, and that's about what well, I, ex- I would, expected. Go ahead, Ron. I, I would also underscore what you uh, touched on earlier. Uh, you mentioned camp stove just now. Be aware that those things do run on propane cylinders, and they do eat up your oxygen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to be very cautious with that. Um, you have to run, uh, even if it's running on white gas, you have to be careful of carbon monoxide because it's still consuming and stuff like that. So you you still got to be cautious with it. You got to be careful. You got to be paying attention. And, uh, you know, with any of those things, you have to think about what's going on with it and where the vapors or the fumes or the uh, CO is going in those cases. So, all right, Ron. Uh, well, thank you for the heads up on I that. That's a, I'd put a little financial structure on it. Yeah. I was wondering, I knew about what the generators cost, but I was wondering what the uh, the hookup would cost, the inner tie to your house. So about 1500 bucks or so. Yeah, it was about... Yeah, right, right in that neighborhood. And like, as I say, the generators have gone up about a thousand dollars. Yeah, I was looking at one just last week. In fact, I was looking at a new uh, seven thousand uh, I, and they had a ten thousand I uh, there uh, at the place that I was looking at. And yeah, they were they were pretty pricey, but definitely worth the cost of admission if you need them. Uh, you know, you you you'd give almost any money in the world if you needed it at that point. So, all right, Ron. Well, thank you so much, my friend. It's good to talk with you. Appreciate you calling in. All right. All right. All right, folks, uh, I got one more line on hold, but I am up against the commercial break, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk to the caller. We'll see what you have to say. Maybe we'll pick up some other stories or whatever, or maybe we'll continue on this. I don't know. 
I guess we'll let you drive the bus. What do you want us to talk about? I'll put a I'll put the poll to the to the chat room too to see what they want us to talk about if they want us to switch off or continue. Back with more, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based free thing and radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, uh, we're in the break right now. Let's get this caller's name uh, before we uh, before we go too far here to see where they are and who you know who they are and where they're calling from, and then we'll take their call first things back when we return to the radio. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Mike. My name's Troy from Homer. How you doing, sir? Good, Troy. Uh, if you'll hold the line, my friend, you'll be first up in the queue when we return. Okay, so don't go anywhere. Great. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. <clears throat> well, I guess a question from the chat room. Um, should we, we've only got, we've only got one, one more segment. Do we just stay on this or do we, uh, or do we move on to something else? What do you, what do you think? You guys give me your thoughts on it. Either stay or go, stay on topic or go to another one. Stay or go. You tell me, you tell me what you want. Um, Teresa says a couple small umbrellas, a couple sturdy umbrellas over your sleeping bag in an emergency helps conserve body heat as does a pup tent on the bed. I mean, yeah, even having a tarp over you is good. Those little Mylar blankets, the little folding ones that are the size of a deck of cards when they're all folded up, those are handy, although they can build up moisture. So you got to be careful. You don't necessarily want to be cuddled directly up in it unless you're hypothermic. Uh, because it can develop, you can get sweat and you don't want that, but you can pop it up over yourself, uh, with a little piece of paracord. I mean, you know, who doesn't travel, who here carries paracord with them everywhere? Show of hands. I got a little hank of paracord in my pocket right now. I always keep just a little piece just in case I need it. It's probably 12 feet of paracord. I just never know what I might need it for. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's handy dandy stuff. And I've also got the, I've actually got it on a little bit of a, so this is the little chunk of paracord that I've got here. And it's on a little, uh, it's on a little cleat. There's a little, uh, you can get these little tiny cleats that allow you to, come on. Oh, I don't have it on autofocus. That's why you can't see it. Um, anyway, I just carry that in my pocket just in case I need it. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had use for it before. So I don't know exactly what's, uh, you know, what I might need it for, but I've got that and a little flashlight in my pocket. I just always carry it. I, you know, who, who doesn't carry a little chunk of paracord in their coat or their pocket all the time? Um, uh, Walmart has the 30 day steward. Yeah. I mean, th- again, those are pretty affordable, but I would rather spend that money. I would rather spend that money on, um, um, you know, regular, plain old, 
regular everyday foods and just buff up my food storage um, on it. I mean, I, that's that's what I would do. I'd rather just spend that money on an extra case or two of, you know, Campbell's soup or beans or vegetables or something that you can just have on the shelf ready to go. Sandy says you could freeze dry your own meals. You could. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And you really don't need to freeze dry stuff. If you're rotating your food storage out, you don't really need to freeze dry it. Um, 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 sorry, says Bill, just trying to save you headaches that I see every day, kind of like putting clean fuel in them. Water contaminants from dirty gas are 80% of the issues we see with generators. Yeah. Again, that's why you just don't fill your generator up and then throw it in the corner and wait for it for two. You've got to run it. You've got to clean it out. You've got to replace the fuel. You know, quite honestly, I probably would only leave a little bit of fuel in it and then make sure that you rotate out the fuel that you have. That's what I would do. You know, get yourself a five-gallon can of gas to run your lawnmower and your generator and just keep topping it off every year, freshening it up. I would probably only put enough fuel in my generator to just keep it, you know, wet and running. And when I'm ready to use it, you know, run it twice a year. Run it for a half hour, 45 minutes. Put some fuel through it. Make sure it cleans it out. Put some of that stay bill in it. And, you know, the additives, the cleaning additives. Just make sure you keep – because like you said, dirty fuel is probably 80% of the problem. Um, um. Okay. Uh, all of our generator upgrades are all combined heat and power. We captured the BTU to heat adjacent buildings, said Harold. That's a great idea. That's uh, that's what, you know, that's a great idea. Um, stay, 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 stay. Everybody says stay. Um, uh, Bill says, my watch band is 12 foot of paracord and has a blade in it. That's, again... Not a bad thing to have. I mean, paracord is like the wonder drug that works. Well. I mean, you could do so much stuff with paracord. And uh, I've got a hank of it in one of my, you know, one of my backpacks, my little go bag or whatever, my emergency bag. I've, I've probably got 120 feet of it in there. It's just a small little hank of paracord. You just never know what you could use it for. So handy. So handy. Um my dad carried his underwear in his pocket for the same reason, just in case he needed them. Okay. I mean, that's. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty based, free, thick and radio. I guess we're staying. Here we go. Right, uh, ready to continue. One final segment. I took a poll in the chat room, and everybody wants to stay on topic. So there you go. We're gonna. I guess we're just gonna stay here, which is good because uh, Troy is down in Homer, and uh, he wanted to sound off on this. I think uh, I, I'm assuming that's what he wants to talk about. But let's find out. Good morning, Troy. What's uh, what's on your mind, my friend? What are what are your thoughts on the situation? Morning, Mike. So you guys were bringing up the. Uh the idea of 
battery-powered solar generators. And one of the things I just wanted to put in my two cents, I, I own a company in Homer, and um, we kind of focus on that. But one of the things that we have found that a lot of people have gone instead of that solar generator is going with a small lithium battery, like a 100-amp-hour lithium battery, an inverter and a 1,500-watt, or an inverter that's 1,500 watts. That would help maintain for your emergency needs of your house, i.e. your Toyo or your Renai, you know, your heat, a water pump that's a 120 if, if you have a 120 water pump. Um, kind of a more affordable way is those solar generators run upwards of $2,800 and more. So just wanted to throw that out, that that's also an option. Going small is not a bad idea especially in the case of an emergency. Right. No, absolutely. And what about my discussion? I mean, and you could do it whether it's with lithium. I know people have done series of deep cycle batteries for a few hundred bucks. They've been able to get, you know, three or four uh, deep cycles in series that trickles when the power's on. And if the power goes off, they last. I mean, are those the same kind of things that you guys set up? I, you know, we, we also sell those deep cycle batteries and, you know, people, people buy them. Um, I tend to go more towards the lithium if possible, only because you have twice as much usage available to you. Right. Quicker recharging in the case that, you know, you, you're depleting. But one of the other big things is you're freezing. So if those lead acid or AGM batteries have gotten cold, you've most likely ruined your batteries for right. the season because who, who stays on top of them all year long? Right. They'll sit there and wait till you need them, and then you go to need them, and they're not going to work for you. Right, right. No, it's a. It, I mean, it's a viable option. Uh, you know, especially if it's a short-term deal, maybe having something like that for, uh, you know, under that two thousand dollars you're talking about is not a bad thing, and you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it. That's a good idea. Well, Troy, I mean, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you guys are offering exactly. those. Yeah, those kind of services down there. Maybe we should talk to you about sponsoring What If Wednesday for power generation. Maybe we should have you on and have you sponsor the show for that day or something. Uh, <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to be sending you an email anyway. Yeah, send so me. We'll, an, uh, we'll talk here in the near, very near future. Yeah, send me an email. I'd love to talk to you about that because I think that this is uh, again an important topic. I mean, the one thing in the case of an emergency, especially if you're not going anywhere and you're staying in, you're bugging in instead of bugging out is, uh, you know, you need that heat, you need that power, you need to be able to keep things going. And if you don't have wood heat or some kind of alternate heat source, uh, you know, those kind of solutions make a lot of sense. All right. Well, Troy, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you you being part of it. Let's uh, continue on over here. We'll go to the next call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Michael. This is Jeremy in Town. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you, my friend? Pretty good. I uh, haven't called in in a while. I wanted to tell everybody about those uh, 12 volt Chinese diesel heater units. If uh, people didn't know about them, they run right off the battery, and uh, they they are less than 200 bucks. You can find them on Amazon or go to vivor.com, but be prepared to pay for shipping. If you're a Prime member, go to Amazon and look for one 12-volt diesel heater. They use minimal amount of uh, fuel, 
and uh, they take tiny a bit of electric to run, and uh, I'm really happy with them. And uh, one one of the things I'm thinking about also adding is a thermoelectric generator. That's a unit that just sets on top of your wood stove, and it'll keep your lights on and all your devices and batteries charged. Sure, it just uh, just runs off the heat off the, your main battery bank with there. Yeah, it converts the heat off your stove into a trickle of electricity, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a 100 watts, I think. Well, you can buy the bigger one. Right. Well, and there's all they, they make they make a Go ahead. They they make a unit that is a wood stove. And it's just, uh, it produces electricity, and it's the wood stove all in, and thermoelectric generator all in one. But th- those are people, those are for people that have a lot of money. <laughs> all right, Jeremy. Well, thank you. I appreciate the heads up on that. I know you live off the grid, so you got a little bit of experience with it. What's the brand name that you, you mentioned earlier of that uh, little diesel heater? It's uh, Vivor. You go to V-E-V-O-R.com, Vivor.com, or if you got Amazon Prime, just go to Amazon and type in 12-volt diesel heater. All right. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it. We got three more lines on hold. All of a sudden, people got verbose here at the end of the show. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carly. Uh, good morning, Carlene. What, uh, what is, uh, what's Carlene, what's on your mind this morning? Um, it depends on the emergency about four times or more a year at the senior center. We have a fire drill and you decide which door would be the closest to go out and you don't even grab your purse or your coat. And I've had several friends that have lost everything in fires and they all they could do was just get out of the house. Thanks, Michael. Uh, all right. Thank you, Carlene. I appreciate it. Again, that's why having a plan and having something you can grab on the way out is always a good thing. Over here we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Who is it? Where are you calling from? All right. You're breaking up. Go ahead. This is Steve in the interior. Hello, Steve. What's on your mind? Well, I've lived off the grid for 11 years, and uh, uh, I could not live off the grid without a gasoline generator. I have a I have a solar system that runs my freezer in the summer and my lights in the winter, but. Uh, I couldn't do it without a Honda 2000, a Generac 5500, and a Honda 1000. So you're, and, uh, you're running three Everybody I know or? lives off the grid, has at least two or three generators. Right, right. Uh, and you, you, you think all those are the good brands to go? Honda I know of, Generac I've heard of, but I've never used it. Those are all pretty good brands if you're trying to plan for my, my yeah my generac has a has a briggs and stratton motor but it's a 5500 that'll power my uh table saw and uh you know my high powered electric stuff 
Right, right. My inverter is only, a, I used to have a 1,500-watt inverter, but now I only have a 1,000 because uh, that's what I could get when my 1,500 took a dump on me. Okay. But um, I, I used to deal with ACS, and I've been going to the place across from the movie house there on Airport Way. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, the whole deal there with any of them, but uh, batteries are the weak point. Yeah. No, the lithium battery is way expensive, but they can't, they can't freeze. They can't get cold. So that won't work for me. What I use is AGM batteries, and they're deep cycle AGM batteries, and uh, I like that because they're maintenance free. And I just live in a small cabin, and I have them inside here. Right. As long as you keep them warm. I also have I, a shop. Yeah, I think that's the important part, Steve. I appreciate it. I'm sorry, I gotta go. I got one more line on hold. We'll take that one off the air. But we are out of time for today. That was unexpected. A What If Wednesday. Surprise! We will see you guys tomorrow. Shelly Hughes will be our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Well, that was an interesting discussion. I mean, the difference... Be- oh, I was going to go to the call, but the call just dropped. The difference between, you know, actually living off the grid or just being prepared for an emergency is different. I mean, if you were living off the grid, yeah, having three separate generators and backups and everything else probably makes sense. But if you're looking just to be prepared in case of an emergency, I think that little 2200i Honda generator is probably the way to go. But again, clean fuel. You got to run it a couple times a year, even if you haven't used it for anything else. Uh, just make sure it stays clean. Have good gasoline, a little stabilized gasoline. Need to make sure that you run all that stuff through there. And uh, but again, you got to <clears throat> you got to plan what you you know prepare what you plan and and plan what you prepare. Does that make sense? You got to use it, run that stuff at least a couple times a year just to blow the dust out and make sure everything's working nothing worse than having an emergency situation and thinking you have it all down pat and then discovering that your emergency backup plan is not working so anything it's a it's a good good deal all right well i appreciate it uh thanks for coming on board we will be back with you tomorrow Have a great day, my friends. Stay groovy. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.